Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 42nd episode of the Cozy Show Podcast. Wow, and uh, yeah, it's it's been a while, um, you know, you've heard me say it over and over and over again, time after time after time. You know, uh, that I would normally, you know, apologize and, you know, say I'm sorry for a hiatus after, you know, you know, after a podcast episode, but I'm not going to do that this time. I think, uh, most of you all know by now (laughs) that, uh, you know, I've been, you know, kind of notorious for doing that over the past few months so I could you know say I'm sorry and apologize and all that but I mean what difference does it make at this point right um because you know I may do one podcast episode like I'm about to do now and go on another hiatus for all I know not because I want to but to you know what I mean um expand more on sports and sports coverage and, uh, you know, media coverage as it re- relates to sports. So just uh, keep that in mind. Okay, that being said, excuse me, that being said, having said all of that, a lot of uh, sports news to get into today. Um, today is actually... Um, Today is actually the official day of the NBA draft. Yes, it is the 2022 NBA draft today. On Thursday, June 23rd, 2022. And so, it's going to be, you know, pretty intriguing and interesting to see, you know, who goes... As the number one pick will be Chet Holmgren, will be Paulo Branchero, or, you know, the guy from Duke. Um, Will it be the guy from Auburn? It's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out. Me personally, I would pick, um, you know, I would personally pick Chet Holmgren because he's the guy with the highest ceiling and the lowest floor. Um, I feel like he's got the most room to grow and probably the best chance for development, but that's just me from a personal standpoint. We'll uh, have to see what the Orlando Magic decides to do later this evening. Okay, another sports news. We had um, the Stanley Cup playoffs take place last night the avalanche took on the reigning defending national uh not not the national champ um the reigning defending stanley cup champions the tampa bay lightning and that was a barn burner to say the least that was yeah that that game game four tore the house down It was two teams um, fighting for who goes, you know, 
just another game up on the series. So the narrative of the story was, will the Lightning, the hometown team, take a 2-2 two two tie in the series, or will the Avalanche go up 3-1? Well, the latter happened, and now the Avalanche have the chance to close the series out on Friday night. So be on the lookout for that. Um, personally, I would love to see um, the Avalanche crowned as the new Stanley Cup champs. You know, just as something new, you know. The Tampa Bay Lightning have had two Stanley Cup championships um, out of three years and should be should be a, a pretty good sight to see. So be on the lookout. Okay. So, um, in other sports news, let's uh, stay within uh, the sports category. Um, Major League Baseball. So, let's talk about let's talk about the MLB. So we had the New York Yankees taking on division rival the Tampa Bay um, Rays. And don't, you know, don't get it confused. Both these teams weren't very fond of each other to begin with. Um, these teams don't like each other. They have the, we don't like them, they don't like us type of attitude. Um, so, you factor that in with the fact that um, the Tampa Bay Lightning, um took out the New York Yankees, you know, in the playoffs, um, not last year, but uh, the year before. Um, it was the arch rival, the Boston Red Sox, that took out the Yankees, New York Yankees, that is, um, last year in the playoffs. Uh, so you can only imagine that the New York Yankees had a chip on their shoulder going into this rubber match against the hated Tampa Bay Rays. So they go into Tropicana Field, the Yankees do, the New York Yankees that is, and um, unsurprisingly, they had a back-and-forth, back-and-forth, back-and-forth game. Um, but in the end, the Yankees... Um, the first team to 50 wins in Major League Baseball this season came out on top, 5-4. to four. So, um, it's going to be really nice to see who comes out of the AL East because the AL East is pretty packed. You have the Red Sox, you have the Rays that are, you know pretty notorious at this point in time. They're pretty well rounded team back and forth. The New York Yankees are very well coached, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens going forward in the AL East. And speaking of the New York Yankees, the Houston Astros, the hated Houston Astros, will go to the Bronx to take on the New York Yankees later tonight.
a little after seven. So um, be on the watch for that matchup. And also in baseball news, we had the Dodgers, who are the World Series championship favorite, um, taking on, well, you had the Dodgers take on the Reds yesterday. And of course, the World Series championship favorite this year took out the hometown, uh, excuse me, not hometown, but um, they took on their, you know, at one point rival, the Cincinnati Reds. Um, so it's going to be really, uh, it's going to be really good to see, you know, the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers going forward. They have Freddie Freeman, um, who they acquired from the reigning World Series champs, the Atlanta Braves. And speaking of, you know, the Atlanta Braves, um, if I, if, uh, if uh, everything sounds correct, um, Freddie Freeman was supposed to visit Atlanta along with the Los Angeles Dodgers to take on the Atlanta Braves and therefore thus far giving, you know, Freddie Freeman his World Series championship ring. Now, I have yet to know if that series has already taken place or is going to take place or is taking place down the road, um, you know, due to the uh, cancellations via the weather or, you know, COVID-19 or whatever else, you know, is going out there in the world. But uh, it is expected that Freddie Freeman and the Dodgers, if they haven't already, um, go to Atlanta to take on the Braves and for Freddie Freeman to take his World Series championship ring. As did, you know, as did uh, Jock Peterson did, but uh, he plays on a different team now. He plays on the, you know, heated rival of the Los Angeles Dodgers, the San Francisco Giants, who the Los Angeles Dodgers defeated in the MLB postseason last year. That was the first team, excuse me, that was the first time that, you know, both heated rivals of the NL East, um, you know, took on each other, uh, excuse me, the NL West took on each other and uh, that was a great series. Um, the Dodgers and the Giants never disappoint. And uh, let's face it, the Dodgers always give the San Francisco Giants trouble and vice versa. You know, the San Francisco Giants always give the Dodgers trouble. The Dodgers always give the San Francisco Giants trouble. So to see, um, you know, this heated rivalry, this uh, bitter rivalry take place in the playoffs, which the Dodgers won, of course, um, but that's not even, you know, the narrative here. The narrative is that both these teams played each other in the postseason. Therefore, ratings went up, um, viewership went up, 
And of course, fan membership, of course, you can imagine went up as well. So, um, but yes, the Dodgers won the series at, you know, Oracle Park in San Francisco. And I do believe they won in six games, but you'll have to, uh, you'll have to go online to look that up, um, just to make sure, because, you know, it was a year ago and, you know, at that point it's kind of a blur. So, you know, definitely do your due jil excuse me, definitely do your due diligence on, uh, you know, that side of things. So, um, there was that. And of course you had, you know, the battle of the beltways. You had the, at one point, um, you know, you had the, at one time world series champ, you know, of a few years ago, the Washington, the Washington nationals taking on one of the, you know, worst teams in the league in the Baltimore Orioles. Um, this matchup was a little bit surprising, a little bit shocking to say the least. Um, not just the way that it ended, but the way that the Baltimore Orioles just demoralized and deflated and just made them felt defeated. You know, the Orioles won that match seven to nothing. And you would think that the, you know, the Washington Nationals who were, you know, who were World Series champs a few years ago would have put up a little bit more fight um, in a matchup like that. Um, but that did not take place. Um, so, you know, it was, it was kind of, uh, you know, hold on a second. It was kind of a surprise to me that, you know, it was kind of a surprise to me that the Washington Nationals took out, you know, their in-state rival, the Baltimore Orioles, that is, took out their, you know, in-state rival, the Washington Nationals, um, fairly easily. A 7-0 victory. Um, I'm sure the Orioles will take that any day of the week and twice on Sunday, <laughs> you know, because they're, like I said, behind the Cincinnati Reds, they're one of the worst teams in the league. Um, and you can also add, you know, if I were to give my top five worst teams in the MLB right now, it would be, um, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan, but uh, the Cincinnati Reds, the Baltimore Orioles, the Chicago Cubs, um, you could throw, you know, you could throw maybe a couple other teams in there. I mean, I can see you throw in, uh, you know, the Marlins, you could throw them in there. 
Um, you could also throw, um, give or take, you could also throw the Texas Rangers. Um, you could throw them in there as well. Um, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they can also be put in that discussion. Um, but, you know, all these teams, they're not tanking. They're not trying to lose. They're not, you know what I mean? They're not trying to, yeah. And uh, uh, breaking news, by the way. Uh, let me uh, digress from this topic for just a second. It is now confirmed that the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are the World Series favorite, um, the World Series championship favorite this year, will take on the Atlanta Braves this week. So check your local listings and uh, please do watch that matchup because it should be a classic. Now, the Los Angeles Dodgers did defeat the Atlanta Braves earlier this season, but that was in Dodger Stadium. Now can they uh, pull off that same success, you know, across the country in the Atlanta Braves Stadium, home of the world champs? Um, we'll just have to see. Speaking of the Braves, the Braves won 7-6 to six over the Giants um, in the last game they played. Um, so you had, you know, the Braves and the Dodgers winning last night. So it should be interesting to see what happens in the next game. And more MLB news now. The Pirates defeated the Cubs 8-7. to um, The Cubs have just found ways to lose time and time and time again. And one more time, just to bring the Dodgers up, because why not, right? <laughs> the Dodgers beat the Reds 10-5. to um, So the next step is for the Dodgers to take on the Atlanta Braves later this week. So please do watch that matchup. Should be a good one. The Twins defeated the Guardians 1-0, um, getting, you know, some retribution, some revenge, some payback over their loss to the Guardians the night prior. The Brewers beat the Cardinals 6-4. Um, it's I'm not too sure if these two are division rivals at the moment, um, but I will look uh, further into it down the road. And, uh, you know, the MLB is uh, pretty white hot right about now with the, uh, the fact that, you know, the NBA championship, you know, has, you know what I mean? Now that the NBA finals has already passed us by and the Stanley Cup playoffs are on the verge of coming to an end. Um, we still have Major League Baseball. We still have the WNBA. Um, we uh, we have the NFL, who will be starting in the next couple of months. Um, so that should be pretty uh, encouraging news for you sports fans out there. 
And for you sports fans and sports enthusiasts like myself, um, today is a special day for you. Like I said before, again, the NBA, you know, the NBA draft is about to take place in a couple of hours from now, about two and a half hours, give or take, and it's going to be really interesting to see, like I said, who gets to be picked number one overall. Will be Chet Holmgren, will be Paulo Banchero, or Blanchero, whatever his name is from Duke, or the guy from Auburn. It's going to be really, really interesting. This is a very tight, um, a very tight race overall. Um, like I said, I'd personally pick Chet Holmgren for the reasons I described earlier. Um, the highest ceiling, the lowest floor, the most, um, you know, the most upside, I guess you could say, um, and the most potential in my eyes, but you could make a strong case for the other candidates as well. Paulo Blanchero, who made it all the way to the Final Four last year in the NCAA tournament. And, of course, the guy from Auburn who's very versatile, you know. You could make a strong case, you know, for all three candidates heading in to the NBA draft tonight. So, um, you could expect the following teams. Obviously, the Orlando Magic, who have the first overall pick. Um, But you could also throw the Thunder in there. Um, You know, maybe the Pistons might have some, you know, draft capital. So, we'll see what happens. Um, In other news, let let uh, let me say this before I forget. Speaking of sports news, Archie Manning... Um, has uh, finally signed with the team. He has signed with the Texas Longhorns. And it's believed that he is, um, well, it should be obvious to me. I should know this by heart, but I still got to announce it. It's believed that he's related to, you know, Eli and, of course, Peyton Manning. Um, but, you know, it's very good for him that he got selected to, you know, a, uh, team with a lot of history and a lot of tradition. Um, I could only assume that he's going to make that, that team better, but, uh, we'll see, uh, what happens going forward. Um, so we'll see. And here's what I also know for darn sure, and I mean for darn sure. Number one, um, I'm very excited to see what takes place in the NBA draft today. Um, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see how things all play out. Okay. So another baseball news. Um, 
Uh, let me let me uh, take you back to Major League Baseball for just a second. The Marlins beat the Rockies three to two. Um, just in case any of you were curious out there. Um, and let me uh, go ahead and close out the uh, Major League Baseball topic just for the time being. Um, so I can get into some other sports and, you know, professional wrestling news. So, okay. Um, first things first. Um, so, the NBA is in a good place right now. My favorite team, the Golden State Warriors, won their fourth title in eight years. Um, so, I have to give a big congratulations to Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, and Steve Kerr. And I'm sure there's other names that I can also throw out. Kevon Looney, you know, um, Otto Porter, you know, guys that were on the bench holding it down for the Warriors, you know, during pivotal moments. Um, you know, all of these players for the Golden State Warriors define, you know, the Warriors' MO, their status quo, their, uh, their prophecy, their philosophy, you know, their, their slogan, you know, strength in numbers. And I do believe that it was a rival from the Memphis Grizzlies that sent a tweet um, earlier in the year, um, or early in the season, rather, rather, um, <laughs> rather, um, it was a rival from the Memphis Grizzlies that basically, um, you know, gave some extra motivation to this very hungry Warriors team. Um, and keep in mind, Clay Thompson didn't come back till January, and it was right around shortly after that point that one of the Memphis Grizzlies players um, said strength in numbers um, in a tweet on Twitter. And of course, Clay Thompson saw that, and this was shortly after a game they played against the Memphis Grizzlies, which I guess the Grizzlies won. Um, you'll have to check up on that one online, but I guess the Grizzlies won that matchup, and one of the Grizzlies tweeted strength in numbers after that match, um, and that, quote, pissed Clay Thompson off. Um... And I do believe that was kind of the catalyst for what would take place down the road as they would meet later in the playoffs. And of course, the Warriors would win the series in six games. Um, but you could make an argument, and I hate to say it, but... And uh, by the way, Archie Manning, who I just mentioned committed to Texas. He's the number one recruit in the 2023 class. He had chose the Longhorns over Georgia, Alabama, LSU, and Clemson. 
So, just thought I'd add that. But anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, um, it's one of those things, uh, it's one of those things that you have to reflect back and think that this is really a great time, you know, to be a sports fan at this point. And, you know, but like I said earlier, anyway, so one of the Grizzlies players after win against the Warriors treated strength in numbers, which is the Warriors slogan. That's their saying. Um, so apparently Clay Thompson saw that and it, quote, pissed him off. And so these two, like I said, met in the playoffs later in the year, or the season rather, in a series which my Warriors won. Um, they won it in six games. And so, um, but I hate to say it, but yes, the narrative of the whole story was what if. The Grizzlies are the biggest what if of the season. And what I mean by that is John Morant got injured or hurt, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, in that series. So um, you can make a strong case that, you know, you make a strong case that if John Morant were still playing, that, you know, Maybe, just maybe, they could hang toe-to-toe with the Warriors and potentially win it. Um, but we'll never know. And even me as a Warriors fan has to admit, if John Morant were still playing in this series, would the Warriors have won it if, you know, if uh, John Morant... Um, we're still healthy in that series. I don't know, but we'll never know. So that's a big what if. A big what if that we may never have the answer to. But you could also make a strong case the other way. Um, you know, what if, um, excuse me, what if Draymond Green wasn't kicked out of game six um, in the finals in 2016? Or what was it? Game five, game six, one of the two. Might have been game five, but it could have been game six, one of the two. Whatever. Um, you could make a strong argument there. Could the Cleveland Cavaliers had won that series if Draymond Green weren't kicked out of game five or game six? We'll never know. Um, but what we do know is. Draymond Green was kicked out of one of the later games in the series, which I believe caused the Golden State Warriors to lose a championship because Draymond Green was unavailable for Game 5 or Game 6. And then, again, you could play another hypothetical here. I hate to play hypotheticals here, but this is a podcast, so, you know... If it's a podcast, it's all fair game, right? So, but again, you could play, you you know, you could put other hypotheticals at 
play here. Um, you know, would the Warriors have won the 2017 NBA championship if not for Kevin Durant? And you could also make a strong case, you know, if Kevin Durant were, you know, healthy going into the 2019 finals, would they, you know, have lost the championship if Kevin Durant were healthy going into that series? You know, so you can you could make a whole bunch of hypotheticals at this point. Um, but the bottom line is, I do believe that this Warriors dynasty slash championship run, whatever you want to call it, um, you could compare it to, you know, the the Celtics of the '60s, you know, the the Lakers of the '80s. You know, the, the Bulls of the 90s. Um, would I put, you know, one of the Warriors championship teams up against the 95-96 Chicago Bulls? Absolutely. I do believe that the 2018-19 Golden State Warriors, if healthy, would beat the... 1995-1996 Chicago Bulls in the playoffs. Um, and it would really depend on what era they would be playing in. If they were playing in that era, the 95-96 season, um, you could get away with a lot more physicality then that you could get away with now. Nowadays, you could hardly say a bad word to the ref, and you can get a technical foul for crying out loud. So, you know, that's how soft this league has become compared to decades past. Um, but again, I would choose the Warriors over the 95-96 Chicago Bulls. And uh, maybe I'm, you know, a little out of bounds for saying that, but... I, that's just my personal opinion. I personally think that the 2018-2019 Golden State Warriors could, would, and should beat the Chicago Bulls of the 1995-1996 season. And I believe the Golden State Warriors would win that series in six, but um, it would be an interesting series to see, hypothetically speaking, that is. Um... But, you know, you could make a strong case that, you know, this Golden State Warriors um, dynasty, for example, you could compare the 2015-2016 Golden State Warriors team. I mean, I wouldn't make an apples-to-apples -apples comparison, but you could make a slight comparison that they were as good as the 1986, excuse me, yeah, you could make it a strong case that they were as good as the 1985-1986 Boston Celtics team. And that team had only lost one game on their home floor. And I believe it was the opener um, of the season. Other than that, I believe they won every game on their home floor in the 1985-1986 season. But I believe in my heart, that the 2015-2016 Golden State Warriors 
you could make a slight, you know, you could make a slight, um, a slight comparison that they were as good as the 1985-1986 Boston Celtics team. Now keep in mind, that Boston Celtics team had Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Danny Ainge, Cedric Maxwell, they had Robert Parrish, I believe, and I do believe they had Bill Walton, too. Um, that was a stacked, loaded, that was a, you know what I mean? That was a super team on both sides of the ball. They were virtually unstoppable, and when they went into the, you know, the finals in the 1985-1986 season, they took on, you know, um, the Houston Rockets, the Twin Towers, um, but the Houston Rockets, and I think they knew it um, deep down, that they were heavily looked at as the underdog going into that series. Um, but I think that they um, were motivated by that and used that as fuel to try to win this series. Although they did not win this series, and quite frankly, um, the Boston Celtics made quick work of, you know, the Houston Rockets in the finals that year. Um, okay, so, and, uh, let me, uh, wrap up the sports talk here in just a second. Um, and that's what I'm going to do. So, at this point in time, we have, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs underway still. And we're heading into the latter stages of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The finals. The Stanley Cup finals playoffs. You get it. The final round. Right? Um, and just like I said last night, the Avalanche defeated the hometown team, Tampa Bay Lightning, um, on Tampa Bay's home ice. So now they have a chance to close out the series um, back on their home ice on Friday night. Me personally, I'd like to see a new champion crown, like I said earlier, just to have, you know, something fresh, something new, um, you know, something different. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning have won, um, the last two Stanley Cup trophies in the finals, um, you know, and I'm not going to knock them for it. I don't hate them for it. I don't dislike them for it. I just, you know what I mean? I feel like whenever, um, especially these days, I feel like whenever um, a team becomes, you know, that successful to the point where they're winning, you know, in the playoffs and winning championships and so on and so forth. I believe that personally people try to knock, you know, teams for their success. 
and criticize them and, uh, you know, find ways to, you know, try to find ways to gossip and try to tear teams down. You know what I mean? I feel like when any team, professional sports team, starts to become successful and starts to taste success and starts to, you know, starts to uh, acquire success like playoff success, you know, championship success, especially over a long period of time, I feel like uh, not us as a whole, but us as an individual, we like to criticize and we like to ostracize and we like to we like to um, you know what I mean? We like to negatively um, paint a picture of those teams. You know, for example, did they win um, in the purest form? Was there cheating involved? Um, is was there an asterisk that could be, you know, put in, uh, you know, in the conversation? You know what I mean? There's always going to be people like that. Rather, it's the media. Rather, it's talk show hosts, podcasters. I feel like whenever, again, I feel like whenever a team, um gets to be successful, especially to the point of, you know, them being in the playoffs and, you know, winning championships and what have you, that, you know, us as the media, podcasters, broadcasters, um, TV show hosts, we all like to pick apart and, you know, criticize and, um, you know, just critique um, teams for their success. Did they do it the right way? Did they do it the American way? Did they do it the way it's, quote, supposed to be done? I mean, you can name some of my favorite teams, you know, for example. And even I have been, you know, questioned for some of my fandom of some of these teams like the New York Yankees and, you know, the New England Patriots, the Golden State Warriors. All these are teams that I'm a fan of. And I had someone um, call me out on being a fan of, or excuse me, being a fan of these winning teams. Rather it be the Yankees, rather it be the Patriots, rather it be the Golden State Warriors. And, you know, I feel like us as an individual, not as a whole, but as an individual, we like to, um, we like to hate um, teams like that because they're successful and they're, you know, they're successful over long periods of time. And we like to build them up to bring them down. Um, and... I hate to say it, but that's just the way it is. That's the price you pay for success. Um, and, you know, that's just what comes with the price of fame.
Um, you know, you have to be willing to take, you know, whether it's from the media, whether it's from, like I said, podcasters, broadcasters, TV show hosts, whatever the case may be. Um, you have to be willing to listen to the outside noise. Rather, people are saying good things about your team or bad things about your team or, you know, good and bad. You got to take the good with the bad, the bad with the good, and everything in between. Um, but me personally, yes, I've been called out on being a fan of, you know, successful teams, dynasty teams, championship teams, the Yankees, the New York Yankees, the Golden State Warriors, you know, the New England Patriots. And why am I a fan of these teams? Well, why not? Um, the best answer I can give you is, you know, because those are the teams that win. Those are the teams that are successful. Those are the teams that, you know, dominate their competition. Those are the teams that win championships year after year after year. Those are teams that, you know, they're head and shoulders above their competition. And how could I not like that? You know, I don't personally see anything wrong with being a fan of successful teams. Um... And I say that with, uh, I say that with honesty, but you could also make an argument that because I'm a fan of, you know, some not so successful teams as well, um, or somewhat successful teams, I guess the Dallas Cowboys would be one team that comes to mind. Um, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals. I've been a fan of theirs for a few years. And keep in mind, um, America's team, that's uh, known as the Dallas Cowboys. But in today's society, people are starting to shift the narrative more towards since the Cincinnati Bengals is being America's team. And quite frankly, you could make a good case in either direction. Um, but in reality, the Cowboys are America's team. Am I saying the Cincinnati, uh, excuse me, am I saying the Cincy Bengals can't challenge them for that? No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, Normally, a team that has that moniker usually is the one that stays with that moniker until someone can knock them off. And not just knock them off, but knock them off repeatedly over a, you know, period of time. Um, so, we'll see, um, we'll see what happens. Um, but let me get to some breaking news. Um, breaking news. Kyrie Irving um, gives the Nets the list of potential side and trade. Excuse me. Kyrie Irving gives the Nets 
a list of potential sign and trade partners. Irving faces Wednesday's deadline, um, and he has until Wednesday, this coming Wednesday that is, um, to come to terms with the Brooklyn Nets or to be signed and traded with, you know, a team like the Clippers, the Heat, the Knicks, the Lakers, the Mavericks, and or the 76ers. Personally, I don't like Kyrie Irving, you know, and, you know, it's not even for the fact that he's got these, you know, conspiracy theories, rather it's the flat earth theory or the COVID-19 vaccine theory, you know, that, you know, the COVID-19 vaccine, you know, he's got his personal views that I don't agree with, you know, rather it comes, rather it's with the uh, vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine or the flat earth theory. He's just a polarizing figure. And, you know, some people like those kind of people and some people really can't stand those kind of people. Me personally, I don't like him, but I have my reasons, but it is what it is. But uh, yes, so Kyrie Irving, um, again, has given the Nets a list of potential side and trade partners. The teams include the Clippers, the Heat, the Knicks, the Lakers, the Mavericks, and the 76ers. And in other news relating to this story, um, Irving and Kevin Durant joined the team together in the summer of 2019, um, shortly after the 2019 finals. The same finals in which Kevin Durant um, tore his Achilles after, you know, what we thought he recovered from uh, uh it's a severe hamstring injury. Well, not hamstring injury, but calf injury. He came back too quickly from a calf strain, tore his Achilles in the summer of 2019, and he joined, you know, a Brooklyn Nets team along with Kyrie Irving. Now, here's what really uh, not rubs the... Or, you know what I mean? Here's what not necessarily rubs me the wrong way, but here's what gets me curious. So, say you, you know, have a calf strain. Say it's a mild calf strain, right? And you come back too quickly from that calf strain, and you tear your Achilles. What should you be doing at that point in time? You should be in a medical facility you know, healing that injury and, you know, doing whatever it takes to make sure that that injury heals well and it heals 100% and it doesn't, you know, get infected, that it doesn't, you know, get worse over time and it, you know, and you rehab on it eventually, but... Basically, what you should be doing is taking care of that injury, rehabbing it, taking care of it, making sure it doesn't get infected, all those things, things of that nature, right? This man decided to, you know, 
and I don't know how he did it, but I can only assume he did it with the help of his agents or help with his team or whatever the case may be. He decided that this uh, very young Nets team, I don't know if you could call them a very young team much anymore, but at the time, you know, this 2019 Nets team, apparently he decided that this is a team that, you know, plays gritty, plays tough, plays hard. A team that's uh, well-coached. You know, a team that's coached hard. A team that uh, is well-disciplined. A team that has very strict guidelines for themselves. And so I can see that on a certain level, but at the same time, you should be recovering, you should be recuperating, you should be rehabbing your injury. You should not be, you know, risking your career over, you know, uh, trying to, you know, get a better, you know, situation with a different team. No, I saw the writing on the wall way before this was going to take place. Um, Kevin Durant said it himself before the 2019 season started. He said in a 2018 press conference on Media Day that uh, we'll see what happens after the year. We'll see what takes place after the season. And he basically said he signed a one-year deal um, to see where things go from there. And that will determine if he'll stay with the team long-term or if he'll def you know, defect to another team. Deflect, whatever you call it. Deflect, defect to another team. And so that's what he did. Um, but I felt that the writing was... The writing was kind of on the wall, you know? I felt like the writing was on the wall even at that point. And I feel like the ultimate um, tell, tall tale or whatever you call it, you know, I felt like the overall obvious step that he was going to go to a different team came in November of 2018 when he had a heated argument with one of his teammates. As most of you well know, he and uh, Draymond Green were close as 19 is to 20. But they had a heated argument um, in Los Angeles at a Clippers game. Um, a heated argument that turned rather contentious rather quickly. So much so that... Uh, the team had to intervene and split these two up from potentially, uh, you know, having a verbal confrontation and altercation with one another. And it was then discovered that apparently Draymond Green said something very uh, personal to Kevin Durant. Um, his exact words were after he was asked a question, um, and this is how the question went.
a media member asked him, um, Kevin, um, did Draymond, excuse me, did Draymond cross the line with anything that he said tonight? His exact response was, I'm going to keep that, um, in-house, um, I know you all have a job to do, but uh, I'm not trying to give out any headlines. So that tells me that something was said that was something that not only rubbed Durant the wrong way, but something that was probably so personal, so, uh, you know what I mean, so... um, so hurtful, so offensive, that made him say, you know what, I'm leaving this team after the season. And you could read his lips on camera during that Clippers game, and he said, you know, while, you know, the camera was on him, you could read his lips saying, I'm out. This is why I'm out. And so... To me, I feel like he was going to be gone regardless, because even had this stuff not taken place, the fact that the Warriors' um, medical staff basically failed him, you could only imagine that that's going to bring, um, you know, some questionable um, thoughts, feelings, some doubtful thoughts and feelings, some you know, mistrust with the medical staff, you know, in the Bay Area. So I pretty much saw this coming, uh, you know, anyway. Um, And even if the prior circumstances didn't come to pass, um, the circumstances that happened during the latter part of the season was pretty much what sealed the deal for Kevin Durant in my eyes. But, to the man's credit, you know, he made that decision. He did what makes him happy. And you could make the argument that Trayvon Green single-handedly drove Kevin Durant away from the Warriors. But, at the same breath, same token, who's had the more success since the pair separated? The Brooklyn Nets made it to the playoffs within uh, Kevin Durant's first couple years. Um, But how far have they gone? Last season, they couldn't even get past the Celtics. They lost in four games. They got swept. In the previous season, yes, they beat the Celtics in five games, but, you know, they lost to... Um, the eventual champion, the Milwaukee Bucks, in, uh, you know, the conference finals. So, you know, and Durant himself even said, had he not stepped on the two, uh, excuse me, the three-point line, that he would have sent his team and himself to the NBA finals. And I believe that that... um, that very uh, play still haunts them to this day. And look where the Warriors are at now. They've won a championship. 
All right. That's all the time I have today. Thanks for listening.